following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon, everybody. There's an old song used to be sung. It went something like this. The guy sung it a whole lot better than me. But he sung, have I told you lately that I love you? That's all I'm going to do because you know the rest of it. <laughs> I love you people. It's an honor to be back at home and uh, teaching on this Wednesday night. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about what we're going to talk about tonight. I'm thrilled about what God is doing. Um, I went over to the new foyer today and uh, Joe took me upstairs and I got to walk into the office that I'm going to have in about another three months on that side. And uh, I, could tell, I could tell where things were going to go, and, and I saw where this was and that was, and it sure felt good because we're moving forward. If you want to come by during the day just to go and look at it, it's pretty cool to look at now because we're moving. We're moving, folks. This thing, I think... Joe has had as many as six trades, seven trades at one time inside that building over there, and they're trying to stay out of each other's way. But what a joy to be building something for the kingdom of God. God has promised us a tremendous harvest of souls, a tremendous harvest of souls, and I believe that we're starting to begin to commence to see it happening even now. Sunday I talked about soul winning a little bit, and... uh, Come Sunday, we're going to talk some more about loving people outside the fold of safety. And I want you to be here. I want you to come and listen to what God has placed on my heart on Sunday. And then uh, next week, we're going to have our, our, our what do you call it? Fall of Palooza. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go, a uh, fall fest, and I'm going to go jump on the jumpies. I'm going to push your kids aside and say, get off, Pastor. <laughs> I promise you I won't get on those jumpies. I got off those jumpies a long time ago. It's such an honor to be home, though, and uh, Pastor Brad uh, and the staff just absolutely took this church to a great level of ministry two Wednesday nights and Sunday. And, And we had our staff retreat. We've already planned 2020. We had our staff retreat Sunday night, Monday, and Tuesday. And uh, we left there just thanking God for letting us think of things. And God placed stuff in our hearts about 2020. And we're going to be introducing those to you a little bit at a time because we don't want to just shock you. But we've got some stuff rolled up our sleeve that God wants to do for this church through us and by us and for us. And so I'm so happy. I'm so happy to be the pastor of this congregation. I mean that with all my heart. And Patty told me to tell you she's so happy to be the pastor's wife. Something like that. Would you stand to your feet, you're awesome people, and I love you for all you that are tuning in online. We welcome you, and uh, we had a record of people watched online on Sunday, and I'm so thankful to tell you that, that uh, the numbers are starting to crank. People are starting to realize that Christian life is here, and uh, they're showing up, and they're listening online as far away as India and uh, the Philippines, and France, yeah, 
Do I know them? No. No, I don't know them, but I know why I'm preaching about one that does know them. And it's an honor. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak tonight in just a moment on something that I feel very keen about. But before I start, I, I really want to push the men's, the men's meeting on Friday night. We have folks, uh, men, let me tell you something. I don't care if you're 80 or 18. It doesn't matter. I want you here because we have a speaker going to speak to us, a four-star general that's a member of our church that just retired out of the military, and he is a phenomenal man of God. He's a phenomenal person. And uh, somehow he's kept his sanity all through this time because he was on the Asian front, and he had to deal with that bad haircut North Korean leader. And uh, he made it, he survived, and he's here, and he's home. And uh, I asked him what his, what his uh, stipulations was. He said, Pastor, I don't want anything, but we do sponsor uh, a Gary Sinise program for military for wounded veterans and if the church would like to sponsor that we'd love to have that so he's not going to charge us to speak he's not coming here for a fee he's not going to step up here for a fee but he's going to talk to us and I'm going to be on the front row listening to him and if you if you would just please put it on your schedule and make it happen we do these about twice a year we had a great one in the spring and now here it is fall and I know that Friday football is, is hot right now because it's coming down to the playoffs, but maybe your team is already out of the playoffs. <laughs> but you're here tonight, and the Astros are playing, so that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Hey, I got to clap on that for you. That's pretty cool. So if you just want to show up Friday at 6 o'clock, just come on. We'd love to have you. Please make it happen in your world, and uh, I would appreciate it very much. I will be at the door to greet you, and we'll have a great, great time. We're going to have food trucks here. We're going to eat till the cows come home. We're going to throw hatchets <laughs> or axes or whatever, whatever. We're going to throw some stuff. It's going to hit in wood. We're going to see who the best woodsman is. We're going to give an award for the best woodsman and the one that sticks an axe in some wood or something. It'd probably be just one person, but we're going to try. <laughs> but that's what we're going to do Friday. It's going to be a great, great time. A lot of camaraderie. You'll meet some brother and you'll meet some people that you say, wow, I didn't know you went to this church because a lot of folks come to first, some come to second, some come to third. You never see, you know, near the twain shall meet, but you'll see each other on Friday night. I think I've said enough about that, hadn't I, Pastor Brad? <laughs> Everybody say a fresh, fresh. anointing. What we need, what we need in our lives, in my life, in your life, in your neighbor's life, we all need a fresh anointing. David said in Psalms 92, But my horn shall you exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Turn to somebody and say, I'm going to help the pastor tonight. And we're going to have good church. You may be seated. God bless you. I guess you heard about the invisible man that married the invisible woman. And they had two kids, but they weren't, they wasn't much to look at. (laughs) 
A cartoon I read had this caption, I take my religion seriously. I get into a religious argument every day. That's the kind of people we don't want. At a recent church luncheon buffet line next to the apples was a sign that read, Apples, please take only one per person. Remember, God is watching. A little further down the line next to the cookies, someone had scrawled with a crayon like a kid. said, Cookies, take all you want. God's watching the apples. Can I tell you one of my other favorite things is a bag of Oreo cookies? And they've come out with the slim ones now that you lose weight by eating. They're slim. (laughs) I'm guilty of liking Oreo cookies. Confession, people love surf and turf. I love milk and munch. A glass of milk is never complete without an Oreo cookie to munch on. Or an Oreo cookie to munch on is never complete without a glass of milk. Somebody say glory around here. So glad my wife bought the slim kind because I really feel like I'm, it's, it's contouring my body. <laughs> Thanks for indulging me just trying to have a little fun tonight. The word calls David a man after God's own heart. He was continually chasing the heart and the mind of his creator. He had a need to fellowship his Lord. He wanted communion with God. God must love that kind of heart because he blessed David. He gave David forgiveness. He blessed him abundantly. He blessed him continually. And even more than that, God loves God chasers. David wrote poetry like this, Psalms 42, as a heart pants after the water brook. So pants my soul after you, O God. He wrote psalms like this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. He wrote, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. See, there's a law in the Bible that an illegitimate son, if it was born into the family, It took ten generations for that sin to be removed so somebody could go into the house of God. And David was the tenth generation from the illegitimacy of Pharez and Zerah that were born in a horrible situation between Judah and his daughter-in-law. But he wrote this, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord because David was the first to be able to go into the house of God. No king ever spoke of the anointing like David did. It was like he was obsessed with the anointing of the Lord. He had a yearning for God's presence in his life. He was the only king that was anointed three times in his kingship. Once in 1 Samuel 16 was at his father Jesse's house. When Samuel came and looked for a king and God said, don't look on the outward appearance, I look on the heart. And Samuel passed those boys by once and then twice and he said, you know what, Jesse, I don't see a king here. Do you have anybody else? (laughs) 
He said, yeah, I got a ruddy kid. He's kind of red-faced out there keeping a few sheep for me. He said, go get him. I've got to see if he's the one to be the king. And when David showed up in the house, Samuel anointed him and he became the second king of Israel. Then when he was anointed to be king of Judah in Hebron, 2 Samuel chapter 2, he first became the anointed of Judah, not Israel, just Judah. His second anointing lasted seven and a half years. He just was king of Judah in Judah only. And then his third anointing came in 2 Samuel chapter 5 at Hebron again when the men of Israel saw the greatness of David in Judah and they realized that this man was to be anointed and he served third three and a half more years in Israel for a total of 40 years. No other king in the Old Testament ever said, I need some more of that anointing oil. Nobody. David was a man that longed for God. So what made David so pleading and so proactive about the fresh oil of the Lord? What made him want to be anointed continually? I'm glad you asked. You didn't, but I think you did. First, let me state, a person who is called of God was anointed with oil and set apart for special responsibilities. The anointing prepared and made ready for the service of God in that individual's life. For instance, Moses poured oil over Aaron's head. The Bible said it ran down into his beard and his robe and went all the way down to the ground for consecration of service in Aaron's life. Samuel anointed David with oil at Jesse's house, authenticating his selection by God as one who was to perform great duties in Israel. Elijah anointed kings and prophets with oil, setting them apart for special responsibilities. Even Jesus, when he began his public ministry at his inaugural address, chose the anointing passage from Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. Amen. Jesus needed the anointing. A king back in that day, a prophet back in that day, was anointed with six quarts. Listen to me. Say six, six. quarts. What are y'all doing? Oh, I know. Yeah. I'm just messing with you. All right, get those towels out of there. That was an outpouring. Everybody say it wasn't a trickle. You remember I preached several months ago that Patty and I was going to go back to Niagara Falls. You remember that? And I said that we're going to see if the American Falls and the Canadian Falls are still rushing the way they were 38 years ago. Guess what? Guess what? It was just as powerful and the mist was rising in the air from those Canadian falls. It's in a horseshoe way and horseshoe fashion. And, and they had those boats down there and people had to have slickers on because the spray got all over them and they got wet. It was greater than a ride at Six Flags. But I want you to understand something. When they anointed a king or a priest in the Old Testament, 
It wasn't a trickle. It wasn't taking a little bottle of oil and doing this number, you know, on the head. Do you feel that? Yeah. <laughs> Come here, grandson. I'm going to show you a little bit about how, how oil was appreciated and used in the Old Testament. Now, I'm not trying to make a big scene of emotion out of this. I just want to, I want this, this is my grandson here. And I want him to sit down here. He's a baller. Maybe this will make you jump taller, son. Get all covered up. That a boy. I'm not going to try to kill him with it. Get it all covered up. That a boy. All right. Now I want to show you something. You see this? I'm going to pour it on him. I'm just going to kind of pour it on him. I'm not going to do anything exorbitant. I'm just going to pour it on him. Because I am doing what they did to kings and priests in the Old Testament. Folks, it wasn't a trickle. It wasn't one little finger on one little bottle of oil. It was poured on him. When Jehu was anointed king of Israel, when Jehu was anointed, a young lad came in and had six quarts of oil and poured it on him. That's just half of it. I got another one here. We're going to finish it too. I'm going to keep pouring it on him. Here's what I'm going to teach you tonight. I want to teach you something that you need to learn from your pastor. That when God gets ready to bless you, when God gets ready to pour the oil of gladness upon you for your sorrow, when God gets ready to anoint you, he's not just going to barely have enough. He's going to baptize you with his anointing. He's going to baptize you with his glory. He's going to baptize you with his presence and his power and his grace and his mercy and his love and his kindness and his goodness. He will baptize you completely. Would you clap your hands right now? Come on, son, just stand up. Just stand up. Okay, all right, all right. Take this away. I did all of that, not to make a show, but to show you that when God gets ready to do something, He doesn't do it little bitty. He made this world in six creative days. We traveled around this world a few days last two weeks, and we saw the awesomeness and the vastness of New York and New Hampshire and Rhode Island and Vermont, and we saw it. And although we live in Texas, which is 800 and something miles from El Paso all the way to Marshall, Texas, or Texarkana, and we understand that Texas is massive and Alaska is massive, I tell you the God that made this country and made this world is more massive than anything that he ever made. And when God, when God gets ready to baptize you with a fresh anointing, He's not just going to put a trickle on you. He's going to baptize you. He's going to baptize you. Some of you need to get away from the thought process that God works in millimeters. God works in massive tons of blessing on your life. He wants you to be blessed mightily in your life.
God is saying, you want, to, you want to be great, you want to be set apart, you want to be used for my glory, let my fresh oil get on you. So what made David so pleading and proactive about the fresh oil? Simply put, he was a shepherd king. He was a shepherd king. He was a shepherd to a flock. That's where they found him when he was anointed. But he understood that he was also a sheep of the great shepherd. Let me speak on this subject about fresh oil. Let me tell you a little funny story. Two older men were talking about their health problems at church one day. One of them said, my new doctor doesn't just treat the symptoms, he treats both the mind and the body. Really? The second man grunted and thought for a moment, then he asked, does he give a discount if the mind's already gone? <laughs> That's cool. Every one of you, listen, you don't have to look for a discount here tonight. God's grace is abundant for everybody in this house tonight. And God's grace for healing is here for everyone tonight. Did you hear me? I said God's grace for healing is here for everyone tonight. I gave you a little visual a while ago just to show you how much a man drenched with oil when he was anointed by, to be a king or a priest. And the Bible said we're kings and priests unto the Lord. And you hear me. God is not going to walk in here and just kind of touch you and say, does that feel good? No. He wants to pour out something on this church. He wants to pour out something on your life. He wants to pour out something on your family. He wants to pour out something on your future. He wants to pour out something on your tomorrow because he is a God that will take care of your needs. Joy and Dennis the Menace have just left Mrs. Wilson's house with cookies in their hand. And Dennis the Menace says to Joy, Mrs. Wilson gave you those cookies because she's nice, not because you're good. I want to declare that God is not talking about nice and not nice. You don't qualify for the blessing of God. You can't get too good to get God. God comes where you are. You get God to get good. And you need to start craving the anointing of the Spirit on your life. You need to start craving the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You need to start craving divine healing in your family. You need to start craving the greatest greatest put together of family that's ever happened in your whole history because God is not into just little healings and little blessings. He is into six quarts of blessings. He wants to help you six quarts full. He wants to bless your life with abundancy. Psalm 23 is a powerful chapter. The Bible said in verse 5, you prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. There, David, talking about it again. My cup runs over. First of all, God's table provides many things. How many have been nourished by coming to the house of the Lord? How many have had opportunity for growth in this house? How many have found a place of fellowship here? Perhaps a sense of security here? Perhaps an abundance of blessing here? Perhaps a place of belonging here? And perhaps a place of acceptance here. Doesn't that feel good? At the table of the Lord, thou preparest a table before me. I thank God that we're all invited to sit at his table. We don't sit here because we're perfect. We sit here because of his grace. Because of his acceptance. 
not because we deserve a spot, but because we accepted the invitation when he said, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Turn to your neighbor and say, It feels good to sit at the table with the King of kings and the Lord of lords tonight. Then David said this. He said, You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. My cup runs over. Summertime has just ended. I don't think it's ended yet. We'll probably have some more hot days before November gets here. <laughs> but summertime for sheep or any other animal can be a very rough time. It's known as fly time. Flies. You that have raised animals know what I speak of. I'm going to talk about the enemies that sheep face in life. And what comes to mind, many of you, is wild animals like lions and bears and wolves and predators of sheep because they have no defense. Their defense is their shepherd. And David killed for his sheep a lion and he killed a bear. But sheep face another enemy that many of us do not think too much about because it is such a small enemy. These creatures make a sheep's life miserable. Let me name a few of these enemies. One is a warble fly. A fly that is a stout woolly fly that produces larvae, that produces problems and symptoms inside of a, of, of a sheep's head. Another is deer flies that brings plagues like diseases caused by bacterium. Another is mosquitoes and gnats that drive them crazy. Then there is what is called a nasal fly, a nose fly. It attacks the nasal passages of the sheep. It lays eggs on a damp mucous membrane inside their nose or in their ears or even in their eyes. And when successful, the eggs will hatch. And a small, slender, worm-like larva will slip up the nasal passage and into the sheep's head, the brain area, causing severe irritation to the sheep. And to get relief, the sheep will beat their heads against trees. The sheep will rub heads on a rock. It causes excess pain to the sheep, better been known to kill many of them. But I got news for you. There is an antidote. There is. When a shepherd sees this, he brings linseed oil, he brings sulfur, and he brings tar. He mixes the oil with sulfur and tar. Because you see, you need the oil to receive the sulfur and the tar of healing. Amen. And he smears it all over the sheep's head and the nose. If you want to read about this, read Philip Keller's book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And once the oil is applied to the sheep's head, there's an immediate change in the sheep's behavior. The aggravation is gone. The irritability is gone. And the animal can lay down and go to sleep and rest. Many of you here today are not bothered by the lion and the bear and the wolf. But it's those little larva-like creatures that go on up your, your nose and in your ears and in your eyes. And the gates that come messages and to the eyes that see things and to the nostrils that smell. And those things become tender branches that spoil, or tender foxes, the little foxes that spoil the tender branches. It's the warble fly. It's a deer fly. It's a nasal fly. And the gnats and mosquitoes that are carriers of diseases that affect the mind and thinking. One of the names of Satan, folks, is Beelzebub. The Philistines named that for the god of flies. Beelzebub means the god of flies. The devil wants to come and attack you. Oh, I want to preach right now. He wants to attack your thinking. 
He wants to attack your seeing. He wants to attack your senses. He wants to send things up into your brain. He wants you to understand that if I can get you to think different, I can take you to hell. If I can get you to think off track, I can take you a place I want you to go. For as a man thinks in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. And Satan is doing everything within his power to gain control over our minds. He played with Eve's mind in a perfect paradise in the Garden of Eden. He played with David's mind while he was on the throne as king of Israel. He even played with the mind of Christ. And for 40 days he tempted the Messiah with mind games, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And all took place in Jesus' mind. This is where all temptation starts. Can I tell you, this is the war zone. This is the war zone. And we must put on the whole armor of God. And one of those parts of the armor is the helmet of salvation. Let me talk just a minute. There's something that every one of you need to tell the devil tonight before you go to bed tonight. You need to tell him, I know the day I got saved. I know the day that God changed my life. Come on, let me preach to you now. I know the day that I was water baptized. I know the day that I was infilled with the Spirit of God. I know it happened. And if I know it happened, I will not let you mess with my mind about innuendos and things that you think are, are happening in my world. It will not come into my mind. If I can keep this clear, if I can keep this clear in your heart, we've got a church that's going to victory like you've never imagined in all your life. And so what we need to do is say, God, anoint my head with oil. Give me an anointing on my life. Give me an anointing on my life. Let my mind be anointed with that fresh oil that only comes from you. What are you allowing to buzz around your head? Impure thoughts, sexual thoughts, fantasies, bitterness, anger, depression, doubt, fear, guilt, jealousy, low self-esteem, envy, pride. What's, what's messing with you tonight? Many say, what can I do, Pastor? I'm being bothered by some of these things on a regular basis. Mom used to say, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head. But by George, you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. And I think some of them tried to build a nest in my hair, and I hit them so hard, <laughs> I got bald-headed. Everybody said the devil's a liar. He's the father of lies. John 8, 44. Say, John 8, 32 says, say it. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, I'm going to teach a little bit here now. Truth does not free you from addictions. It doesn't. It frees you to make a choice. And the choice is, do I want to stay where I am or do I want to get better? And truth restores your free will. I have preached to some of you for a long time and the light hadn't come on yet. But the only thing that's going to get you free in your life is to know the truth. And the truth will make you free. But that doesn't bring you out of addictions. 
but it gives you a right to make a choice. Do I stay or do I go? And I believe that everybody in this church wants to go to a higher level. Wants to go to a greater depth with God. Wants to go to a greater demonstration of your own life. So what you need is not a little bit of touch of heaven. You need to be baptized with the oil of anointing in your life. You need to go home and say, God, that boy took enough oil on him to save everybody in Austin. Yes, he did. But God's got that much for everybody in this house. Listening to his lies will stop your cup from overflowing. Some have lost joy. Some have lost their peace. Your faith is beginning to waver. The enemy will try to steal your hope, and you're saying, what can I do? I put it on the board. If we're ever going to learn to live right, we must learn to think right. The thief comes to steal and to destroy, kill and destroy, but I've come that you might have life, and that more abundantly. Some of us need to tell Satan, buzz off. Buzz off, you old Lord of the flies. Buzz off, Beelzebub. Buzz off. Get out of my life. Now, I know I'm preaching outside the lines of my normalcy here tonight, but I am so fed up with the devil destroying some of you right here. When I know that if I could get some sulfur and some tar, T-A-R, on some holy anointing oil, I could kill everything up there that was thinking negative. And you'd walk out of here saying, you know, I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. And I'm going to make a choice and a decision right now to never allow hell to destroy my mind and my thinking again. Come on now. That's what I'm preaching right now. And somewhere in your life, somewhere in your life, there's got to be a line drawn in your sand. And you've got to say, you know what? I'm stepping over that line and I'm never going back to that side again. And when that happens in your life, there's going to come a freedom in your mind and a freedom in your heart. And you're going to express yourself in the greatest that you've ever expressed yourself. You're going to magnify Him. You're going to praise Him. You don't have to be asked to do that. You don't have to be pumped to do that. You don't have to be primed to do that. It's just a part of what you want to do. Can you clap your hands right now and rejoice in that? So the Good Shepherd. I'm almost through. Wants to anoint your heads with oil. Before Jesus died, while he was dying, he bled from seven places. Three were in his head, three. The brow, the face, and the skull. The brow, when he prayed, great drops of blood came from his brow. The face that was scarred when they plucked his beard. And the skull that was marred when they put the crown of thorns on him. God has an antidote. The blood and the oil. The blood and the oil. When lepers were cleansed in the Old Testament, folks, when they were cleansed, the blood was applied in three places to a leper for his cleansing. His right ear, they put, a, they put some on his right ear because it, it represented the mind. It was what the larva wanted to go in and say it wasn't happening, but it was, a, it was, it was symbolic of the mind. The right thumb was symbolic of the work. They put blood on the right thumb. And on the right big toe, symbolic of the walk. So it's how a man thought, what a man did, and how a man walked. And then they came behind that and they put oil on the right earlobe. They put oil on the right thumb. And they put oil on the right big toe. 
One was for cleansing. Does anybody here believe that his blood still cleanses us? Anybody? Anybody? And the other for anointing. Does anybody believe that if he's got the power to cleanse us with his blood, he has enough anointing oil to get us over the hump in anything in our life? Do you believe that? Hear this, Pastor. The only thing that destroys the yoke is the anointing. And it's time for some of you, Samson, to break out of the ropes and break out of the chains and break out of the prisons and say, no more. I'm going to be anointed with fresh oil until the yoke is destroyed in my life because I know what happened to me on that Sunday morning. I know what happened to me at that campground. I know what happened to me in my prayer closet. God saved me, and I'm going to live for God with an anointing in my life. Yeah. It's Wednesday night. It's Wednesday night. God wants to anoint some heads and minds with fresh oil tonight. Some are here tonight that need a mind renewing. Let your mind be renewed. Pastor, I have allowed the enemy to lay some eggs in my mind and it's driving me crazy. Because I know you've walked up to me in the foyer. Doubt, anger, insecurity, fear, depression, impure thoughts, bitterness. I'm just ate up with some things. We need to be like the shepherd, King David. Lord, I need to be anointed with fresh oil. And I want my cup to overflow. If you never remember anything else I've said tonight, remember the vastness of what God has prepared for you. He'll pour it on you till you gurgle. He'll just keep pouring it because he wants you to be clean. He wants you to be holy. He wants you to think right. He wants you to understand that holiness is a matter of thought and a matter of the heart. And he wants that in all of our lives. And David said, I want that fresh oil. I need it. No other king ever asked for it, but David did. Because he understood, I'm a shepherd, and I know that my mind is giving me fits from time to time. I close tonight. There was a boy in West Texas that went to Texas Tech University that went to a logic exam, final exam in logic, a logic class. And it was a tough assignment. And the logic class was always a tough final because the professor was a tough professor. Randy, if you'll help me. And the professor said to the students, just before the final exam, he said, when you come next Tuesday, you can cheat. He said, you can bring an eight and a half by 11 paper and you can write it, you can fill it on both sides full of all the information you think might be on the exam. I'm going to let you bring that. And that'll be your cheat sheet. And kids brought in their eight and a half and eleven. That thing was written on every corner and up there. But one kid came in with an eight and a half by eleven sheet of nothing on it and put it right here beside him. And had a logic expert that was advanced that wore a size 10 shoe come and stand on that. 
and gave him all the answers that he needed for his family. He's the only one that made an A-plus on the, on the paper. Here's my point. Here's my point. You get Jesus close to you. You want what he has for you. You want what he wants to bless you with. I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to lay a little wager. You'll, you'll ace the final exam. You'll ace the final exam. I've just determined, I've determined. People make fun of me preaching this way. It's fine, it's fine. I'm cool with it. Because I probably, if I was in football, I'd probably be the one that would do this in the end zone. <laughs> I don't know. Probably wouldn't. But I'm so sold on this Jesus that I preach about. I'm so sold on him. And I understand that he's got something for us. And David went through all that he went through and still he said, the Lord is my shepherd. And I will be made whole. And one day we're going to be with David on the other side. And we're going to sit down with him and he's going to play the harp and I'm going to sing with him. Because I believe with all my heart that David understood what I'm preaching to you tonight. It's not the big things that's going to try to defeat us. It's those little things that get in our heads and make us think that we're incomplete. We don't have what it takes to go to heaven. And the devil's a liar. Would you stand? You're awesome people. And I love you very, very much. Clap for the Lord because the word of God tonight. Clap for the Lord. Hope my little grandson is not allergic to oil. <laughs> Which leads me to this statement, I hope you're not allergic to it. Because God's got an anointing for everybody in this house. I want you to raise your hands real big over your head and we're going to pray for you. Raise your hands real big all over this house. We're going to pray for you tonight. We're going to ask God to just do something great for you. Dear Father. In the name of the Lord, come down and touch these people whose hands are in the air to receive. God, anoint us with fresh oil. Anoint us. Give us a fresh anointing here tonight. Let us understand, God, that you have a supply that is unlimited. And you can absolutely do for us what we can't do for ourselves. We can go to doctor after doctor after doctor. Mental health, mental health. And God, they can't help what you can do for us in one night just by the anointing of God in our hearts and our lives. Kill the larva in my brain, God. Take it out. Take out those things, those thoughts, those ideas, those concepts that make me feel unworthy, that make me feel like I don't belong. Take them out. Remove them. Rub them away, Lord. Let the anointing destroy the yoke that's holding me down in my life. I love you, Jesus, and I honor you tonight. And I thank you for these people that have showed up on a Wednesday night to hear the word of the Lord. Thank you for it. You're an awesome God, and we love you with everything that's in our heart and our life. Lord, give us some fresh anointing here tonight. Give us a fresh anointing. Come on. Come on, tell him, I want some of it, Lord. I want it. I want it.
I want it. Come on, I want that fresh anointing. I want that fresh anointing in Jesus' name. Now turn to your wife and say, I'm going to be a better husband now. Turn to your husband and say, I'm going to be a better wife now. And turn to somebody beside you and say, if you want a wife, I'll be that for you and we'll get married. I love you. The anointing is here. God's for you. We'll see you Sunday. Friday night, men. Friday night. Let's be here. Let's, let's have a great, great time on Friday night. Have a great night. I love you. God bless you.